Hi, everyone, and welcome to uh, this episode of IBC Topics. Today, we have Pastor Dave and Esther um, on our show. So we just want to um, welcome them. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Um, thank you for us. Oh, absolutely. It's truly uh, our pleasure. Um, so how we always just start off all these shows is we really wanted to um, capture and record people's testimonies. And so, uh, Pastor Dave, if you could just spend the next couple of minutes just sharing about how you came to faith and um, maybe even just, the, you know, people like heroes of the faith uh, for you or people that have mm -hmm. had, had great impact on you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I was uh, raised in a Christian home. Um, and uh, in fact, my um, grandfather was a pastor. And um, he was one of the first pastors, I guess, uh, in Korea after the war. Mm -hmm. My the first Christian in our family was my great grandmother, and then um, and then my grandfather became uh, a believer, and then he went into the ministry, and uh, and then uh, my father as well. He became a, a missionary later in life. Mm. Uh, he was a, a businessman. Uh, actually, he was an engineer uh, for a while. And then mm -hmm. uh, after we immigrated to America from Korea via Guam, um, he uh, worked in small businesses, uh, you know, cooking hamburgers and, and then uh, um, working in the fashion district in, in downtown L.A., and uh, after working there for uh, several years, um, it was about the time that I was in um, uh, college that he decided that he wanted to go uh, to uh, Russia, or more specifically, Kazakhstan after uh, Perestroika back in 1991. But uh, all, how all that ties into my testimony is that... Uh, Throughout my upbringing, um, I was raised in the church and churched. Uh, I learned all the Bible stories. But somewhere in um, my high school years, um, I realized um, that I was not a believer. And in fact, um, I told my parents as such and told them that, you know, um, really that church was not for me. Mm -hmm. um, in that I was not a believer in uh, Jesus. And so um, I, I would say maybe the latter half of my high school years, I, I stopped going to church, mm -hmm. and uh, um, which was, I'm sure, uh, heartbreaking for my parents. But uh, I guess they were very progressive in the sense that um, – uh, not like the typical first-generation Korean Christians in that um, they actually let me not go to church uh, during that period mm. and gave me some space. And um, and so I lived like as a non-Christian uh, toward the end of my high school years. And, um, but soon entering college, you... You, you know, you're going through many transitions and kind of then wondering what then is the meaning of life? What you're asking kind of ultimate questions and, and um, you know, what, uh, where did I come from? And is there a God? And because, you know, the, you know, the answers that I've received thus far didn't really um, impact or resonate with me. And so, um, during that time I was searching and, and, um, I, uh, I, I actually just started to read, uh, the scriptures again. I mean, there was a period of, there was a season when I was looking at all the other religions and, mm -hmm. and seeing what they were about. But, uh, I decided during that time to also, uh, look into, or look back into Christianity because, Again, just being churched, um, you you know the stories, but you don't see how all of those things uh, fit together. Mm. And so um, I started reading the scriptures. And uh, about that time, uh, my freshman year in college, uh, I was invited to a retreat. And um, 
there I was presented the gospel um, again. And, um, you know, I, I can't explain it more than uh, that it was the Spirit of God working through the Word of God, uh, through the presentation of the gospel, that uh, I was uh, born again. And I, mm. I received the truth now, and, and it, was, uh, it made sense to me. And, and uh, um, you know, I uh, was transformed. And, and so from that point on, I, um, uh, you know, really was uh, pouring myself into the scriptures and, uh, that was a period where I was uh, almost constantly just reading the Bible, and um, and and then from there, uh, you know, not a slow, but I, I would say rather a quick transition of wanting to share with others about it and and uh, and to really learn it and and uh, and now actually teach it, but. Um, yeah, so I guess that would be the short version of, of, of that uh, conversion episode. But uh, one thing I want to also mention was that, you know, throughout, I think, um, just looking back, just how impact, uh, how much of an impact my parents made on me, mm. um, even though I rejected the, their faith at that time, that you know there wasn't anything in their lives that would in my mind would have discredited that faith mm -hmm. um, but uh and so even to this day i you know really uh, uh cherish their example and and um, their faith and uh so in terms of heroes of the faith i i would say that um they would be my heroes um, in terms of uh, the faith and, um, you know, just showing patience throughout my journey and, and being there throughout and, and, uh, and um, you know, also their example in, in going on missions later in life. And mm. I think that had a profound effect on me uh, in regards to my own faith and, and, and then eventually my own journey toward uh, uh, overseas missions as well. Mm. Uh, Esther? Um, for me, I grew up going to church. My my parents were Christians, so my earliest memories and most of my memories from my childhood is with, um, you know, friends from church and going to church every Sunday and Friday night. Um, for me, I think I knew, you know, about God and all the Sunday school lessons. Um, but I think from a young age, it was more about um, not wanting to go to hell and mm. believing that reality um, and thinking that I just needed to um, do all the checklist and, um, you know, avoid going to hell more than it was about a relationship with God. And I think very much based on my actions and um, I don't think I really recognized a need for a savior. Um, mm. Most everything was focused on what I was doing. And I would say that I was still, um, you know, at the throne of my own life. Uh, it wasn't until um, I have two older sisters and my oldest sister who is also a member at IBC. Um, she and I really didn't have a relationship growing up. We have about a five and a half year age gap. And I was just the, bratty younger little sister <laughs> and um she you know was just so much older than me and I had always shared a room with my second sister and she and I were much closer um so my memories of my oldest sister are really few and far between because I just don't remember engaging with her much and she just mm. didn't like me she didn't have interest in me and um it was she went away to college uh, UCLA and really got connected with a great church community. Um, many of the members who attend IBC right now, and she came to Christ, even though we grew up, you know, all of us going to church. Um, I think she recognized that she was not a believer 
uh, until college. And then she got baptized in college. And after that, she would come home and she was just such a different person to me. And Mm. she would write me letters of apology and of the way she treated me and just wanting to reconcile with me and restore our relationship, Mm -hmm. um, which was so shocking. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think I must have been longing for something like that because Mm. I was so open to that. So she would take me shopping and um, (laughs) invite me down to LA to spend spring break with her and see all her friends. And she just longed for me to have the same experience. Mm. And she would ask me about my salvation and, you know, question whether I was um, truly saved and um, really just trying to share the gospel with me and Mm. would invite me to the church retreats I would attend um, you know, she was on youth staff at her church. And so then I would attend the youth group retreats, um, at that church, um, and made a lot of good friends there. And that, that was my exposure to just a community of young believers that, um, really lived, um, asking themselves, does this glorify God? I could Mm. see that everything in their life revolved around if it was glorifying God or not. So that impacted me a lot coming back home every time from those experiences um i really longed for that kind of fellowship and that intimacy with god and so i think it was in high school when i really started to read the bible and seek god and pray to have a relationship with him and just recognizing that i am a sinner and i'm in need of a savior and that um you know without christ that i am evil and that they do mm-hmm. deserve hell and um so just longing for that relationship and Um, somewhere in high school, um, can't say the day, um, but somewhere in that journey, I believe that I became saved and that the Holy spirit was working in my heart and, um, that I, you know, repented and turned my life over to live for God and not for myself anymore. And uh, from then on, it was really just a journey of, um, trying to become more like Christ and seeking God to know him. Um, not just about him and wanting my life to be used for his work and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just been the journey that I've been on. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks guys for sharing. Um, so for this next segment, I'm just going to be ping-ponging questions between you two. Um, the first one going to Pastor Dave. Um, I'm going to use myself as an example. I remember in 2003, which was actually the first I've known you guys since I was probably like 16 or 15, I think, but yeah, I don't think I fully <laughs> got to know you guys until that trip in 2003 when I went with you guys uh, to Japan. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> I remember coming back from that uh, trip and I was just like on this spiritual high and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do overseas. I want to do, you know, uh, overseas missions. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine that there's a lot of guys that kind of have that same uh, mm-hmm. feeling yeah and so the question to you i guess is um how do you know if you're called into doing overseas missions Uh, and also uh, it's a two-parter the other one being um what makes a good missionary i think this can be uh, a very long and involved answer (laughs) i think there's layers to the to both of these questions Mm -hmm. um and um you know, uh, and also this idea of being called, uh, I think, is kind of uh, um, nebulous as well. Mm. I think it's a Christian term that's uh, used quite often, but uh, means very different things to different people in mm-hmm. in, the, in the church. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to answer it the the way that uh, you're asking it, but uh, I'm going to give it a, <laughs> it's all good. A, a good shot, you know, in uh-huh. terms of we can be helpful in terms of uh, helping people understand uh, whether they ought to pursue overseas ministry or, mm-hmm. or not. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think uh, uh, you don't have to be a pastor. Uh, and mm. uh, to be uh, wanting to serve overseas, okay, in, mm. in overseas ministries and o- overseas missions. I think there's different ways that you can be involved uh, with that. But, uh, I mean, that is one way, and that is the, the direction that I took was that, you mm. know, kind of the typical 
going to seminary and, and becoming a pastor and then uh, trying to serve overseas uh, in that capacity. Uh, I would say that it would be helpful to have uh, good Bible knowledge, uh, whether that's mm-hmm. through a, a Bible school or a college or even seminary. And it really depends on what capacity that you would be serving overseas, particularly, right? So if you're mm-hmm. going to be a pastor of a church plan overseas, yes, I, I would definitely <laughs> recommend that uh, you would get the, the most training that you can here on, on, on stateside. So again, the question is related to, I think, mostly people uh, coming from uh, the context of uh, America, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, um you know, so I, I think that would be first, right, is to understand mm-hmm. that um, there's many paths to uh, serving overseas uh, and uh, um, that, you know, if you are indeed interested, you ought to just research and look because uh, some people are uh, kind of stifled by, oh, I'm not a pastor, and uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, understand that there are many different levels and, 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 and ways of being able to serve the Lord uh, in an overseas context, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is, um, I, I guess on, on some level, there needs to be a desire, right? There needs mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. a desire that uh, either comes from like yourself, like either either going on a short term and being exposed to a country or a ministry, um, or it might be that uh, it comes innately in the sense of like, well, there, you know, there seems to be so many churches here in America, you know, and uh, the Lord has given me kind of a, a disposition and a temperament to be able to, uh, go to different uh, countries and, and contexts and and not be bothered and, and uh, or, you know, feel like you need to be in this context to be serving the Lord. It, that is in, in the United States. And so uh, maybe there's an openness. So whatever you want to call it, I, it's hard to pin down. Um, you know, some people it's it, it's driven externally and and some people mm-hmm. it's driven internally right that mm-hmm. it comes from mm-hmm. uh somewhere inside whether it's from the lord or from you know your kind of the way that the lord made you you know personality wise mm-hmm. you're open mm-hmm. to new things and new cultures and and trying new things um so mm-hmm. uh, that could be it um you know and then you know, there's some people that think, okay, well, they've they're they're appointed or anointed or they're called to a particular country or to a particular mm-hmm. region, and uh, I don't doubt them. You know, I I think that there there could be something to that as well. That there uh, there's a, a strong desire and longing for. A particular country or, or ministry uh, so you know I, I think uh, that could be an indicator for myself uh, it was maybe a combination of uh, uh, all those things uh, like I said uh, my parents uh, decided to go into overseas ministries when they were older and so in my mind, I, I in in entering seminary, I thought, okay, well, you know, I think maybe that would be a direction that I'd be open to, mm. and uh, especially kind of thinking about the context of American churches and how plentiful there there's so many churches, so mm. many resources, and mm. and that you know there's uh, you know relatively in, in relation to other countries and and other cultures that uh, there's uh, a a lot fewer churches um, that are proclaiming the gospel. And so uh, with that mindset in mind that, you know, I was open to missions and, and uh, from the very outset, you know, shortly after I was saved. And so I think uh, that was part of my journey. And so, after finishing seminary, uh, that's the path that I pursued. 
as you know, by going to Japan for a couple of years mm-hmm. and seeing what that would be like, and and um, and then realizing, oh, you know, I feel like I could do it, mm-hmm. and uh, so coming back um, uh, to America and kind of preparing my heart and my life to kind of go in that direction once again. Um, you know, it felt uh, uh, it felt natural, and it mm-hmm. felt like okay. Although, uh, unlike some uh, missionaries, I didn't have a particular calling. Meaning, like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel like, oh, I have to go to Japan. You know, oh, I see. Uh, and and that you know that's that's where the Lord wants me. And um, for me, I was just open. I was open to okay. Lord, uh, wherever you know uh, there's need, uh, wherever there I wherever I could help, uh, that was kind of the criteria that that I was uh, uh, looking at and and open to in regards to uh, my calling. And uh, so um, you know, after our our long journey of of being here <laughs> in the states, longer than we anticipated. Mm. Um, uh, as you know, uh, um, back in 2011, uh, IBC sent us out to Thailand mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we were there for five years and, uh, and now we're back here. But, uh, so that was, that was, uh, kind of, uh, our journey in terms of, um, how we understood, uh, the calling as it were of, mm-hmm. of overseas, uh, ministries. I see. And then as to the question of what makes a good missionary, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, what makes a good Christian, I think, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you know, if, to be more basic, you know, I think a, a good missionary uh, starts by being a, a good Christian, mm-hmm. uh, just faithful and, and um, um, trying to live out their faith uh, in a way that uh, impacts other people. And, um, so, you know, I mean, I guess there's, there's, um, uh, there's elements of being flexible and, and, uh, open, um, to other cultures and, mm. and, uh, you know, kind of like, um, uh, what, uh, external things. Right. Mm. Um, but, uh, I think. Uh, at the core of uh, what makes a good missionary is their relationship with Jesus, right? Just like uh, yeah. for a good Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that uh, kind of drives uh, the the missionary aspect of it. Um, and um, I don't know. I don't know that I, I, I think also it's a hard question for me to answer because you know, I, I was only a missionary for five years. And so, mm. um, does that make me a good missionary? Mm. <laughs> you know, does, that make, mm. does that make even qualify me to even answer this question? Because, uh, you know, uh, a good missionary is one that stays out there and is able to, uh, make impact in that, um, uh, cross-cultural setting. Mm. And, uh, so on, 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 on some level for me, I, I feel like I'm, you know, disqualified in, in trying to answer this question, you know, and, and, uh, but I, you know, I think, uh, there are things that I did notice of, of those missionaries and, um, you know, that, uh, um, they were gospel driven. They were, mm. you know, very, um, uh, flexible. Uh, they were mm. really, uh, motivated, uh, in learning a new culture, uh, motivated in learning a new language, which mm. is uh, very difficult. And so, you know, those elements, I think, are, are very necessary to be a good missionary. Those are some of the qualities that I did notice of missionaries out in Thailand that, mm. uh, that were out there many more years than, than we were there. And, and um, they... they uh, are real assets to the kingdom. You know, they, mm. they are able to now, um, and again, language is key is that, uh, mm-hmm. you're able to, uh, 
connect with people and and, uh, and share the truth of, of the gospel of uh, the Lord's uh, love for them and uh, their His ownership over them in creation and and uh, their sin and, and their need for a savior. So all of those things, you know, uh, are driven by the ability to um, uh, learn the language, learn the culture and to love the people. And uh, so, um, you know, uh, I would say those, those are very key elements uh, in, in, um, in being a, a good, good missionary. Mm. Um, the next question goes to Esther. And so Pastor Dave was just mentioning about, um, you guys are back now, but you guys had spent uh, five years in Thailand. Um, if you could just kind of talk to us about your experience as a, a wife and mother of three young kids in Thailand, um, you know, just like the pros, the cons, um, and just, you know, if there is a family that's uh, thinking about going overseas, I guess what the wife uh, with kids, what they should expect, I guess. Um, I think the experience for a wife is very different based on what the circumstances are. And when we were in Thailand and specifically Chiang Mai, there were so many different missionaries from all over the world. And so I really saw um, many different circumstances for wives and for myself personally, um, going out there, uh, being part of an organization like Zoe that was focused on, you know, serving vulnerable children and families, um, as well as being gospel centered. I think it was also just a very good fit um, for me and just my background in social work and nonprofit. Mm. But um, initially when we went out there, we unexpectedly got pregnant, um, when we were getting ready to move. And so going out and then being pregnant, um, and then having a newborn baby really, um, put me out of commission in terms of ministry and work for like the first maybe year and a half, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, which was good because then it helped me to stay put at home and mm-hmm. focus on growing roots uh, for our family in our communities uh, versus I think if I wasn't pregnant and I was more mobile, I probably would be out and about a lot, um, you know, maybe serving at Zoe a lot. And um, but I think what it allowed for me to do is um, build community at home for the kids and for Mm. our family in terms of people we can depend on. And I think that's what's vital for families is, um, you leave your community and support, you know, from wherever you come from and out there just starting over and building new connections with people mm. from so many different backgrounds. Um, it takes a lot of investment mm. and uh, it takes trust and, you know, trying to make relationships with people that are people that our family can depend on. And mm. that takes a lot of hard work. And you can't do that if you um, don't have time. And so, you know, being pregnant, having a newborn um, allowed me to just be home, focus on the kids and then make relationships Mm -hmm. that our family could uh, grow with, you know, people who were like minded and um, that we can depend on one another, be a support to others, but also um, rely on others when we needed help. Um, especially with young kids, I think just not having people that you can have sitters come even, Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so that takes sometimes years to feel comfortable, you know, leaving your kids Mm -hmm. with people. So, um, you know, you don't have family out there. So I think just trying to build that community is really vital for wives, Mm. um, whether they're involved in the ministry or just staying at home and supporting the husband's ministry out there. Um, I think building community relationships um, early on is critical for sustainability, I think, and well-being for the the wife, because I've seen families when the wife is struggling and, or the kids are struggling, how it impacts obviously the ministry for the husband and the family. So, Uh you know, you really want the wife to be well and healthy and have a good community support um, so that she can, you know, not only take care of the family, but then also um, be well herself and thriving and growing and finding her own 
mm. uh, purpose for being out there. Mm. Um, for me, I think, you know, then once I was able to be more out and about, it was easy to get involved part-time at Zoe. But also for me, being able to not only build relationships with other missionaries, but um, also just um, ministering to the Thai people that I um, built relationships with, whether mm. it was families from my kids' schools or, um, you know, just locals that I would meet in different ways, the way that God would open up those opportunities and just having, um, just wanting to love, you know, the people and, and invest in relationship and be a testimony um, that wives can have such a great impact in mm. um, building relationship with um you know, the, the people of, of that country and um, loving and serving them and being, um, you know, dispelling any uh, misconceptions about all these missionaries that are in their country, you know, but being able to have relationship with them to be able to explain things that they normally won't ask, but because mm-hmm. you've grown close to them, they can ask about what these things are and you can explain because you have, you know, close relationships. So for me personally, I think it was, I valued so much a lot of the friendships with um, the Thai people that I had opportunity to um, make friendships with. And um, at the same time, being able to do some ministry at Zoe. Um, But yeah, I think for wives, for sure, I think community and support is, is critical. I think because the wife is home a lot of the time, um, it's, so helpful for her to have language oh. because she's the one who has to go into the day to day and speak with the market people oh, and, you know, yeah. uh, go shopping and um, take care of house stuff with mm. vendors. And um, so I think having time to invest in uh, learning language, learning culture, um, and then raising kids, I think just depending on the nation that you go to, you know, obviously like things like healthcare and illness, um, those things are at the forefront of just navigating the healthcare system and how mm-hmm. medical systems work, how medical care works. And you're kind of at the will of the hospitals and doctors you go to and not sure if mm-hmm. this is correct or right or how you would do it in America. And, you know, so for me, it actually became a lot of home healthcare where in the beginning I would do everything, go to the doctor right away, go to the hospital. And we would just get prescribed constantly like antibiotics and different things like that. Cause the kids are sick all the time. But then after a while, just kind of taking more control over our family's health and just trying to take care of it. Um, really diagnosing on our own and, and trying to see if we can, um, use, you know, maybe not as aggressive medication and and trying Mm. to heal ourselves and only going to the doctors when it was emergency. um, That kind of became our thing. Uh, We weren't, we're towards the end, we were hardly going to the hospital Mm. except for immunizations and, you know, emergencies, but um, so yeah, healthcare and then um, just day-to-day living can be a struggle of just learning how to navigate, you know, when your water gets shut off and who do you call and, you don't know how the system works or mm-hmm. um, just the frustrations um, that are there. So I think it's so important to have people who've gone before you that you can rely on for mentorship and advice and help um, and support in those moments of frustration. Um, but yeah, we I've seen and have been a support and have been supported by so many um, in our five years out there to journey together and um, that was the most critical was just having community. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the next question is either to uh, Pastor Dave or us, or it could be both. Um, you guys already touched a lot of this question already in terms of like language. Uh, you were just mentioning like, you know, navigating the healthcare uh, in a different country. And um, I was just wondering if there are any practical uh, things to consider when um, you are deciding to do missions, like like for me, one thing that I realized um, was you know you, you got to learn to enjoy the food and just learn to just eat everything mm-hmm. that they provide, which mm-hmm. is part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but if there's any you know small things here and there that people just kind of overlook, mm-hmm. or and also um, even just like practical resources that people could dive mm-hmm. into if they want to you mm-hmm. know really dive deeper mm-hmm. into exploring missions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, okay. I think the first thing that I would uh, really recommend is um, support. Uh, the financial uh, means and, and ability to be a missionary. Mm. So I think that's one of the things that, or at least sometimes missionaries don't consider. Uh-huh. And uh, so what I uh, realized being out there was that a, a big part of being a missionary was to constantly uh, raise support. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately for us, um, we were well supported in large part uh, by uh, IBC. And so that was one element for us to be able to be good missionaries. Mm-hmm. Going back to that earlier question. But uh, I think for uh, some missionaries that were out there, they felt, quote unquote, the calling of God. And then they, you know, packed up their bags and, <laughs> and you know, flew out to a foreign country and realized, hey, you know, um, it takes money to be out here. Oh, yeah. And it takes money to do certain things that you want to do in terms of ministry or mm-hmm. programs. And, and so um, if you want to build a home for uh, orphans or things like that, and you have to realize, okay, well, um, yeah, the Lord provides, but, um, you know, we also need to be, uh, you know, diligent and dutiful in regards to, um, you know, seeing what we can do mm-hmm. uh, in, in garnering support, especially mm-hmm. uh, financial and, and uh, spiritual support. So, well, I think w- one practical thing is is to... Uh, consider that and, mm. and to think about, okay, what is my support going to support network going to look like on the state side that are, that are sending us, mm-hmm. you know, or sending me. And uh, do I have spiritual covering from the church? Mm. Do I have uh, financial backing from the church or from a network of churches or from uh, the denomination, you know, for, for example, in S- Southern Baptist, once you get through the application process, they'll fully support you, oh, right? Nice. So that you don't have to worry about those things. But, uh, you know, f- coming from an independent church, okay, how, you know, how, uh, how, you know, how much are the, the leadership and, and the congregation going to uh, support you mm. uh, in, in this ministry? And so uh, I think that's one very practical thing that um, all potential missionaries need to consider is you know uh and and on on the on the back end of it like Mm -hmm. like esther said is there you know are you going out with a team is there a a community is there a support network Mm -hmm. is there you know uh is there churches or are you going to be a a a very lonely pioneer Mm -hmm. you know because there's different levels to being in that uh, cross-cultural ministry context, mm-hmm. um, so some countries have, you know, a lot of uh, the modern-day amenities like Thailand did, mm-hmm. but some don't, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so those are the things that you need to look into before you actually go out, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, so, you know, again, it's a very practical thing, but you'd be surprised, you know, people don't mm-hmm. don't you know uh, look into that before they leave and have kind of this, you know, uh, glorified, uh, glamorous, um, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. picture of, of what, uh, missions is. And, Mm. and, you know, again, I I think at, uh, at the, at some level, uh, you know, a lot of missionaries have that pioneering and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. we can do it spirit. And so that's why they're going out in the first place. Uh But, you know, uh, at the same time, you got to realize, okay, we need to be strategic also. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we have to be on top of our administration as well in terms of, okay, how are we going to get, you know, to point B from point A? And, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not as simple as packing your bags and, and you know, going on a plane. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so those are some of the practical considerations i would say yeah um practical considerations um i think just talking with people who've been living there 
before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did missionary interviews and we would do missionary care with onboarding missionaries out there. And our experience was sometimes people, you know, without really knowing, they just kind of trusted the ones who've been doing it before and kind of like tried to follow advice without Mm -hmm. really knowing if that was good advice or not, but just kind of did that. And then others kind of still did their own thing. And then, um, you know, would face the same experiences and sometimes mistakes and things that mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. earlier missionaries had. And that's fine. You know, you just kind of learn from those experiences. But I think uh, it helps to hear from people who have been, you know, living with your same life season, mm-hmm. whether you're single, mm-hmm. whether you're married, whether you have kids, young kids, old kids. Um, and hearing, you know, we always love talking with those who are right like ahead of us kind of what we should be preparing for um to kind of anticipate and i think that's helpful is just so that you can kind of really get a feel um for what they're saying and um to different kinds of families so that um you can kind of get a broader perspective Mm. Uh, and other than that i really can't think practically um you know just really i think that's really the most helpful thing is talking to other families so you know mm-hmm. what it's like on the day-to-day mm-hmm. living if you have little kids what do i need to bring what you know what is life like how do i need to prepare mm-hmm. um you know those things are the most helpful i think mm. uh, so lastly um if you guys could just uh, it, you know it doesn't actually have to pertain to missions it could just be just general uh, words of encouragement uh to the people that are listening um if you guys could just take a couple minutes each um yeah, that'd be great. Um, I think the thing for me, the the verses that come a lot to mind since returning, um, and it's kind of always been there, but even more so as um, we are in different life stages, um, is just, you know, continuing to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness mm. and that all things will be added. Um, just sometimes, especially in America, I think we tend, especially if you have the resource to do that, you tend to build your life around comfort and, you know, you are a Christian and you want to do ministry and you want to do all these things that the Bible talks about, but you also set your own boundaries Mm. based on, you know, your own vision and dreams for yourself that maybe you've just never assessed and tested through the filter of the scriptures and the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. and like really just taking it to God and asking, is this what you want Mm -hmm. for our lives? And, um, I, I think coming back, one of the things I find myself telling families a lot is just, um, take the risk, take the risk of laying before God, all the things that you are, the way that you're living and the, you know, what you're living for and the, um, goals you have in mind. And, um, letting God do his work in that. And, you know, through that, at the other end, what comes out of that as you are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and maybe he will call you to do more and break out of that comfort, Mm -hmm. but to not be afraid because that's, you know, he'll provide. But sometimes I feel like we, we don't just go for that and let God show us what are the possibilities because we first set our boundaries and, um, and it keeps us in the box. And, and sometimes I think in some ways it doesn't allow us to um, worship him at the fullest and experience him at the fullest. Um, and so, and it doesn't allow us to need to need him or need to trust him because we're safe mm-hmm. and we're comfortable. And, you know, for me too, like every stage of life, your whole, it always seems to be about, especially once you have kids um, and going through early childhood stages, you're you're just surviving Hmm. and you're just, everything is about just trying to make my life comfortable Mm -hmm. so that I'm not suffering, you know, and that my, you know, it's so hard every day, you know, in the early childhood years, like I just, I'm just barely surviving. And, um, and so I think just that, I think, you know, if, if we can, um, be willing to let go of some of those boundaries that we may have, unintentionally set for ourselves Mm. and allow ourselves as individuals or as a family, as a married couple to just seek God 
Mm-hmm. And read his scripture and let it speak to us. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us through his mm-hmm. word. When you meditate and when you read his word, um, the things that you're convicted by, the thing that you're moved by, the thing that you, I think for me, that was the part of like missions when you were talking about like calling and whatnot is, you know, I know I can worship God and glorify him here in America. But I remember when Nam would preach and talk about like, um, calling and profession or different things like that. And he would say, you kind of talk about this idea of like what would, why he became a pastor. And it's the thing that he would, you know, can worship God and glorify him the most mm-hmm. that he felt, you know? And so for me, I think that was, there was that part of as I, in my experiences and in, in my intimacy with God and reading his word, like um, missions would continue to be there at the forefront. And so it was just a desire that was there regardless of, um, any of the challenges or whatnot that might come from that. And so I just think that like, and then, you know, coming back to America was a step of faith, you know, mm-hmm. because we wanted to stay out there. Um, but even so for me, coming back to America was uncomfortable, <laughs> but, um, you know, but in faith, you know, that's part of the journey to be open to whatever it is in this season of life that God has called us mm-hmm. to. Um, and so I think that I, I, I want our church, you know, I just think about and envision if all of us as single people, as married people, as families, if we all lived, you know, allowing God to do his work in us, you know, to the mm-hmm. fullest of when we meditate on his word and, and seek him, like, what does he call us to do? And I'm, that doesn't mean we all go out to missions, but mm-hmm. then I think it, it does orient our whole being and our day-to-day and our purpose toward his kingdom mm-hmm. and that we're all united toward the same goal, you know? And mm-hmm. so um, that's what I hope for, for ourselves continually mm-hmm. as well as our church body. Mm-hmm. Amen. Wow. Uh, I have to go to Philippians chapter uh, three. Mm. Um because uh, you know this is what I've been meditating on for the last uh, five years, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, uh, um, you know my encouragement would be found in, in starting of verse twelve. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Mm. Uh So, you know, that's my encouragement. Um, You know, that's encouragement to myself first, that Jesus, uh, you know, is at the center of uh, who I am and, and what I pursue each day it very kind of echoes what um, Esther just shared is that, you know, um, um, my prayer and my hope for our church is that, you know, um, this idea of continuing to abide in Christ and, and pursue Christ and, and um, you know, just uh, to have a real and, and vibrant and, and loving relationship with him each and every day. And that, you know, uh, all the other things would kind of um, uh, come into place because of that. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that would be my encouragement. And, and uh, you know, I think that is where you find your calling is, as you are intimate with uh, your Lord mm-hmm. and Savior uh, he gives you longings and desires and uh, that propel you to live for him, mm. first of all. And so whether it's it's in this context of being here in America or, you know, somewhere else in the world, uh, I think uh, that's the core of it. And mm. that's what will even sustain you in, in whatever longings that, uh, that he does uh, give to you. And so, you know, first things first is that always you just uh, really love Jesus and and uh, are uh, communing with him every day. 
And in that process, he reveals to you his will, his desire for your life. Um, you know, uh, on on one level, it's it's his revealed will, but then on another level, it's, you know, I, I don't want to get a little bit mystical here, but <laughs> you know, he gives you those those like, oh, where did that desire come from? You know, and mm-hmm. and where 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 did that you know kind of idea come from? Mm-hmm. And um, and I really believe it's from God. If if you are uh, in that kind of intimate relationship with him, then those things reveal itself. Mm. And and like Esther shared, even in, in the process of us coming back, I think that was a time when, you know, I was really, Lord, you know, what what do you want us to do? Mm. And and uh was it a voice? Was it a voice? <laughs> you know, uh I, yeah, it wasn't a voice. But it, it was it was a clear desire, I would say, mm. to uh, come back and and um, and and uh, seek a new direction that we thought okay well we, we're set you know mm. we're, we're gonna we're out here we're gonna die here uh, but uh, the Lord uh, you know um, brought us back we really believe that that is what it is and, and I really believe that it came from uh, that process of of mm. being uh, intimate with Him. And him, you know, revealing to us, okay, uh, this is the direction that you ought to go. So, mm. you know, um, you're going to ask some other pastors from masters about that. <laughs> go, oh, no, no, oh, that's not the, oh, the, um, uh, yeah. You can edit that part out. <laughs> Maybe oh, not. No, no. <laughs> oh. Oh, with that, it was so much good stuff. Thank you guys so much yeah. for um, uh, being this week's or this month's guest. Um, and with our pleasure, thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's 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 always I always learn so much when just interacting with you guys. Um, and with that, we just uh, want to conclude uh, this month's podcast. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening. And until the next one, we'll catch you guys later. Bye.